last Sunday was in a very important introduction to that. It kind of sets the stage for where we're going to be tonight. And I can't go back and review all of that. Uh, but needless to say, we, we looked in Matthew 24. And if you're, if you're there, uh, if you're in Matthew 24, say, I'm there, Pastor. All right, with that in mind, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we ask you to supernaturally empower us. Lord God, to, to be what you've called us to be in the end of days. In Jesus' name, and everybody said one more time, amen. Jesus in Matthew 24 is responding to the disciples' questions, okay? In fact, uh, uh, they were actually giving Jesus, it's kind of interesting, they, they were giving him a tour of the Temple Mount, which is kind of interesting. They wanted him to see the buildings, and Jesus said, you see all these buildings, they'll all fall uh, one day. And he, he was speaking prophetically. In fact, an interesting little insight to when he said that, he said, these, hey, these, there's not going to be one stone left on another he was being prophetic. In fact, if we had time, we'd go back to Daniel 9, verse 26. That's a part of the prophetic time clock where it basically says part of God's prophetic insights to the end was the destruction of Jerusalem. So, uh, so Jesus was speaking prophetically and the disciples asked him a very important question. Uh, uh, some, inquest, some a number of questions in verse 3. And it says, they sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They asked basically three questions. When? Everybody say when. Now we learned Sunday that Jesus doesn't answer the when question. Now there's prophetic insight that puts us in the times and seasons, but date and hour, he says, nobody knows the hour, but who? God alone. And so... So he didn't answer that, but he gives them some insight about the end of days or the last days. Uh, and he begins to, and, and, and I said this, there's so much packed in chapter 24 and 25. And, and, it's, and it's written in kind of a mysterious way. And it's not my uh, intention to unlock all the mystery of all the things and some of the, the, the illustrations Jesus gave. But it is my intention on Sunday morning and now on Wednesday night for a few Wednesday night to prepare us, our lives and our families for the end of days. And here's what we said Sunday. We are already living in the last days. We need to understand that, that we are, we are there. Uh, it began in, in, on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Peter gets up to preach under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and power of God is poured out on them as Jesus promised and they go out into the into the streets if you will and began to, Peter begins to preach there and and thousands of people are born again and he quotes Joel chapter is it three where he says uh, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh basically he was saying what you see today is what Joel prophesied about this is that and look at your neighbor and tell somebody we're living in the last days did you know that we're living in the last days and with that in mind, Jesus gave us some important things that, that and I think the disciple, and he spent a lot of time on this. I mean, gosh, uh, two full chapters illustrating different aspects of the importance of our responsibility in the last days. And 
So I'm, I'm trying to, let me just give you verse 14. Let me throw that at you, and then we'll get to the topic tonight. This is where you and I need to focus our life, because we're not talking about gas masks and food rations. We're talking about spiritually prepared. Now, if you want a gas mask and food, that's cool. I, I, if, if we need to bug out, I'll join you. Uh, and and if, you'll, if you'll pack enough for me, I'm not being facetious a whole lot. I mean, but kind of, but my focus here is spiritually prepared. And if you're spiritually prepared, God will lead you in however you need to be prepared from a physical standpoint. I'm the doctor of the soul. Uh, and so... Uh, so with that in mind, here's the focus of our life. This should be the focus of our life in the last days. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then what happens? The end will come. Everybody say the end will come. What you and I need to understand, and here's one of the things we saw, we talked about Sunday morning. Hey, Jesus is coming again. He, he really is. The end is coming. Did you know this earth will melt with the fervent heat? The planet Earth will melt with a fervent heat. You say, how, how can that happen? Not, to, not for me to know, but I do know it will happen. Why? Because the Word of God says so. And so we looked at Matthew 24 and a little at Matthew 25 Sunday, and we, 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 we saw some bullet points that we needed to understand to help us be prepared uh, and ready uh, for all that God has for us. In fact, gosh, turn over... Um, Chapter 24, look in verse 44. Therefore you also be ready. Everybody say, be ready. Are you looking at verse 44 of chapter 24? If you're not, look there. It's Bible study. I want you to be looking. Hey, scroll, turn, look, uh, be involved, engage yourself. Therefore be ready. Tell somebody we got to be ready. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm trying to do here for you in the next few weeks. Look in chapter 25, verse 13. Watch therefore, for you, not, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. What's he saying? Be prepared. Be ready. So that's the theme of this series on Sunday morning and then our, our follow-up uh, 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 messages on Wednesday night. And one of the, the first thing, the top priority, when the disciples ask these questions... When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You see, they wanted to know some details. And he gives them some details. He doesn't answer the, the when, but he gives them some important insight, gives us some important insight that we must appropriate in our life so we can be what? Be ready. Everybody say you got to be ready. The first one that he says, here's the top priority. He said this, uh, and when they asked the questions, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. The first priority you and I must appropriate into our life and into our families in these last days is build, if, I, if you will, a shield of deception protection over your life and over your family, because in these last days, and oh, and it is running rampant today, we may be in a little uh, Christianese bubble here, but around the world, deception is at an all-time high, and people are being deceived. In fact, he hits it two or three times. If you look in verse 11, he does it again. He says, then many false prophets will, will rise up and do what? Deceive many. You know, some of you may be too young to remember, was it Jonestown? Anybody remember that? You know, that was, that was kind of the, uh, that was deception, 
you know, to the 10th power uh, where they all committed suicide instead of uh, their little commune world. Uh, you know, it's just, you just go, golly. But you know what? Deception's heaven is, 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 is rampant. In fact, look in verse 24. He says it again. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so the purpose of God here, the purpose of this passage, these passages of Scripture for us is to help us understand that in the last days you better be on guard because deception will abound. Okay, so with that in mind, let me give you a couple of little words. Let's build on it. Uh, Verse four and five. He said, take heed. Everyone say, take heed. That means to look, to perceive, to beware. In other words, don't have your proverbial head in the sand. Don't fall, you know, what's that old saying? You know, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. Don't, don't, don't have a life that is mediocre, a mindset that's mediocre. Realize, you know, in this world, deception is abounding, and I've got to be on the lookout. I've got to be perceptive. I've got to be aware of some things. Uh, the word deceive means to cause to roam from safety, truth or virtue, to seduce, to wander. And so that's what, how many of you know um, the enemy is a deceiver, right? We're going to look at the, some of the deceptive, uh, the, the, the source of deception in the world. But uh, we need to realize, man, there are things all out there trying to cause us to, ro- to roam like a sheep without a shepherd, if you will, away from the safety of the flock uh, and be deceived. And let me just ask this. How many of you know someone personally who fell for the deceiving spirit, if you will, and they wandered away from God for some other belief system or philosophy or whatever. It's out there. And then it says this, uh, the word many, uh, uh, verse five says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Many will deceive many. Everybody say that. Many will deceive many. And that word many means an abundance. There will be in the, there is, because we've determined we're living in the last days. We don't know how much longer we have. We talked about the God, Daniel's prophetic time clock. God has his hand on it. It's the age of grace. And one day he'll take his hand off in the last seven years of Daniel and God's prophetic time clock will begin to tick off. I don't know the when, uh, but we, we've got to be ready because there are, there is an abundance of deceiving spirits and deceptive voices in the world that will deceive. Jesus said that will deceive an abundant amount of people. And so I don't want to be one. How many of you don't want to be one? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be one of those. I don't, I don't want to. I want to build a hedge of protection uh, around my life, around my family, a deception protection uh, 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 covering over my life. With that in mind, let me just kind of give you the threefold source of deception in the world. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures. I hope you hope you got your Bible out. The threefold source of deception in the world. Number one, of course, is Satan. He is the deceiver, the Bible says, of the brethren. Not the deceiver just of the world. He's the deceiver of the brethren. In other words, he moves in the ranks of the brothers and sisters in Christ. But where did it all begin? It began where? In Genesis with Adam and Eve. And he deceived them in the garden. He caused them to question the word of God and he deceived them. And they fell for his trap and his trick. And they were, they were seduced away from the perfect place of God's will for their life. 
And they, they wandered away and they roamed away because of the deceiver, that is the devil, and he's still in the business of deceiving us today. In fact, let me just show you something in Revelation. Go all the way over to Revelation 20. Let's go to the end of the book and let's see what the Bible says about Satan and the deception and the deceptive nature of his, his life. Revelation chapter 20, verse 3. Look what it says. This is, by the way, this is uh, at, at the, uh, uh, I, I think, according to my best understanding, the end of the seven-year tribulation. Jesus comes back to planet Earth and rules and reigns on the Earth. This is a cool thing uh, called the, 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 the millennial reign for a thousand years. Did anybody know that? Have you read the, that, that the, at, at some point at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes back to earth, the lion will lay down with the lamb and the devil is thrown into the body. He's chained up for a thousand years. Everybody go, wowzers. Now, I don't know if I'll be here for that. Uh, uh, I kind of, that would part would be cool, but I wouldn't want to be a part of what it took to get me there. That's called the tribulation period, okay? Now, look, look in just chapter 20, verse 3. And he cast him, that is God, or, or Jesus cast him. Well, let me read verse 2. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. You see, that's just his nature. Where's the core of deception come from? It comes from Satan. And he's the master, he's the, he's the master of deception, if you will. And so, and just an interesting insight at the end of the thousand year reign, uh, he's released for a season and there's a great battle, uh, and then the great white throne judgment. And, and Jesus, of course, comes out victorious and all things are made new. Somebody say hallelujah. Tell your neighbor we win in the end. So, but what I wanted you to see is, and there's another passage in Revelation 12, and he's just, his, his nature, if you will, is one of deception. And so you need to understand that. He's, he's out. The devil is desirous to deceive you, your kids, your kids' kids, and keep them from God's perfect plan for their life. You need to realize that. But here's the cool part. We have authority over him. Amen. That's another story, but you need to understand that. We have authority over the deceiver of the brethren. Amen. But he's, he's, he's certainly, if there is a... I'm going to put a little G, a Godhead to this threefold source of deception. He's the Godhead with a little G of, of where deception is born out of. Then number two, those who are probably inspired by him, uh, deception comes from just good old sinners. I mean, if you know sinners can deceive you. Just people who are not Christians, really. We're all sinners. How many of you know? But we've been sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. Amen. Now, so I'm talking about people who know not Christ. Look over Romans 16. I want you to see this. It's Bible study. Tell your neighbor it's Bible study. It's Bible study. Romans 16, 18 says this. Really, verse 17. Now, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learn, and avoid them. For those who are for for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech 
deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, undoubtedly, these people are probably inspired by the devil. But listen, uh, deception doesn't just come straight out of hell and in a pitchfork and a, and a horns and a split hoof and a smoky breath to deceive you. Uh, sometimes it comes in the form of people who know not Christ who have the spirit of the deceiver within them. And it says that they, they have smooth words and flattering speech to deceive the hearts of the simple. Anybody got another translation of that word simple, by the way? I, what is it? The naive. I don't want to be naive about this thing. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples in Matthew 24. Don't be naive. There's false prophets and false Christs are everywhere. Uh, look over in, let me get my, I'll make sure I'm not going too long. Yeah, we got a little time. Look over in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. I'll just throw this out and then I can pace myself uh, a little later. Ephesians 4.14 says this, Paul to the Ephesian church, church in Ephesus, he says this, and we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Then chapter 5, verse 6, he says this, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the Sons of disobedience. So we find deception comes from Satan. Deception comes from sinners. And number three, OMG, I wouldn't have thought it. But number three, it comes from self. Did you know many times we're the, 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 the most deception that, that we may experience may not even come from Satan or from sinners, but just from our own self. 1 Corinthians uh, 3 verse 18 just basically says this. In the context, it says, let no one deceive himself. Galatians 6, 3, if you're taking notes, it's not up there. Galatians 6, 3, if any man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Self-deception. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, now catch this, this is a great dovetail into the next portion of what I'm going to share with you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let's say that out loud. It's not up there, but you, you follow. I'm going to say a phrase and you say it after me. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let me just pause right there for a commentary. There is, there is theology being taught today that is on the verge of being deceptive. You listen to it from one ear, it sounds great. And then you see it played out in some practical areas. It, it alarms me. Uh, I, I sat down and talked with, with someone just recently who had gotten onto some of this theology. And basically they said, Jesus has taken care of our sin. On Calvary's cross. How many of you can agree with that? I can agree with it. Amen? He paid for it all. And, and once you understand the message of grace, you then no longer uh, have to ever deal with sin anymore. Uh, and I said, what about 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. No, that's for unbelievers. Uh, that's not for believers. So once you understand the message of grace, you never have to confess sin anymore. Wrong. 
Why did Jesus say in Matthew 6, when we pray, pray this way, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I guess Jesus didn't have a revelation of grace yet. That's my little, po- that's my little high point right there. So if you hear any of that, you can just go, eh, wrong, deception, okay? Coming from what I would consider well-meaning sources. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. With that in mind, once we've understood that, hey, there's, 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 there's three areas that are coming at us. Satan, lost humanity, we'll call them sinners, and then self. Man, self-deception is one of the biggest. How many of you know your mind, unchecked by God and His Word, can come up with some really silly stuff? I'm, I've told you this funny one. When I was a newborn Christian, uh, and I wasn't a doper, but I I can't say I didn't inhale either, okay? And this was back when, when, a, when a little bit would send you to the prison for the rest of your life. How stupid was I, okay? And one day, I was driving down the road, and now I'm a Christian, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to sort this all out. And I had this idea in my mind. You know, if I got high, I bet it'd make me really close to God. I just felt that in my, in my head, but it was not in my heart. Now, isn't that silly? It's silly, but hey, man, that was the deception of the enemy. Might have been myself just wanting to join. I don't know what it was, but I was able. How many of you appreciate the fact I was able to pull that, that stronghold down out of my life? But hey, Satan, sinners, and self, there's a powerful influence of deception. And Jesus warned us. That this deceptive spirit would abound in the last days. And we need to understand. That's the first word. Before he answered any questions, he said, you need to be ready for the deception. And so with that in mind, let's talk about some deception protection for the end of days. Now, uh, here's how are we going to battle deception? With what? Deception is a what? It's a, it's a lie. So if it's a lie, then what do we battle it with? Somebody say the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Say it out loud. The truth. And when you know the truth, it doesn't matter what voices you hear. You see, aren't you glad that somehow, some way, I knew the truth enough to know, nah, you know, Jesus didn't speak to me to smoke dope. I think I know the truth. Uh, and I was able to get, get the grip on that. But the truth, we've, once you know the truth, and you know what? Uh, contrary to what's the movie, you can't handle the truth. What was it? Uh, a few good men. A few good men. Oh, he got a few good men. You can't. Yes, we can. We need to handle the truth. Amen. And so I'm going to give it to you in four bites here. I could give it to you in one, but I'm going to give it to you in four bites so you can kind of break it down and, and kind of digest it a little bit. Here we go. How many of you know if you take it all in one bite, you know, you... It might be a little much. So I'm going to give it to you in four bites. Now, listen, you get these four things down, uh, and then you'll begin to, uh, uh, and then I'm going to give you uh, three things to apply all these things. So here's the important elements of truth that you and I need to embrace. Number one, the truth of God's Son. Now, let me show you. Turn to John chapter 1. We're going to be primarily in John through at least three of these. John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let me say, by the way, some of our children are learning their memory verses, and, and, uh, 
and they're doing really good. And I, and they quoted them to me a while ago and I asked mom, I said, can you do that? She said, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, we all need to know uh, the truth in our life and get it setting up residence in our life. And John chapter one talks about Jesus. Okay. And it says this in the beginning was the what? And the word was with God and the word And he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Let me pause right here. The point of this point right here is this. We must embrace, if we want to get some deception protection in our life, we must embrace the truth about Jesus Christ as being God's son. And one of the, one of the first things deception tries to do is undermine the authority of Jesus in the earth. (coughs) He was a good teacher. You know, he, but he, he, what did they want? He, he's not the son of God. And if you don't get that down, you will be deceived. If you can't get the truth of who Jesus is down in the core of your being and what he came to do, you will always walk in deception. That's the point. But let me just show it to you. There was, uh, uh, in him was life and the life was the light of men. What's John doing? He's just giving us who Jesus is. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. What's he talking about? He's talking about the gospel and the power of God. Thank you so much, dear. And so let me just jump down for the sake of time. Uh, Oh, verse uh, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the begotten of the Father. There there it is. He's the Son of God. Full of grace and what? Somebody say grace and truth. Now, let me just tell you, what a dynamic duo. Now, truth without grace is legalism. How many of you know that's true? But truth and grace. Everybody say truth and grace. And so, there's what John's wanting us to do. Hey, we've got to embrace the truth of God's Son and who He is in our life. Look down in verse 17, just for the sake of time. For the law was given through Moses. And let me just pause and say, that was the babysitter till grace and truth could show up. Amen? And and so the law was given through Moses, but grace and what? Truth came through Jesus Christ. And so, gosh, we've got to embrace the truth of God's Son and begin to realize, whoo, you got to believe what he said in John 14, 6. What did he say? I am the, come on, this is a good memory verse. I am the, and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now listen, let me just say, the watered-down gospel, and it's not really good news, it's just a watered-down religious world, undermines John 14, 6, nearly on every turn. All roads, somebody, well, all roads lead to God, and there's more than one way, uh, you know, listen, there's only one way to get to heaven. All roads do end up leading to God, but not only one way to get to heaven. Because the Bible says every man will bow and every, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, but that doesn't mean you make it into heaven. So we've got to embrace the truth of God's Son. 
and began to understand who he is. And let me just say, uh, parents, teach your children who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. Teach them the gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died for the sins of all humanity on the cross, paid for us with his own sin. Man, this next Sunday is Palm Sunday. We're gonna, we need to embrace the cross. We need to embrace the truth of what Jesus has done and who he is in our life. And you teach your children, uh, uh, that he's the son of God, that he died for our sin and Paid the price for our sins so we could be right with God. And three days later, he rose again so we could have new life and go to heaven and be with God one day. Come on. We've got to teach our children. We've got to get our families uh, 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 undergirded with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth of God's Son is so powerful in undermining, if you will, the attempts of deception in the earth. The second truth is the truth of God's Word which certainly is in line with number one. But look in John 8, 31 and 32. It says this. He says, if you abide in my word, you can keep turning there. Turn there, John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the what? And the shall make you what? Free. Could I, could I say to you, not just personal freedom, not just, you know, you know, freedom from dope. You know, I'm, I don't smoke dope anymore. I don't smoke chew or go with the girls that do. I've been set free. Uh, nah, nah. That's great freedom. But let me just, in the context of this, it sets you free from the deception of this world because you know the truth. Have you ever known something so strong in your life? You said, I know this. This is, I know. I, there's no shadow of a doubt. I know this. And somebody comes along and tells you, you know, that's not true. That can't be real. But you know it. And you go, what's wrong with that guy? That can't knock you off your horse because it's the truth you know. And, and I've, I heard Oprah say this one time. Well, you know, it, it, I don't even say she said the Bible. She says, the truth shall set you free. And I said, wrong. How many of you know it, the truth doesn't set you free? If you, it's the truth what? You got to know it. If the truth sets you free, you can just put it on your head and go, mm. <laughs> The truth doesn't set you free. It's the truth you no. know. And if you don't know the truth, you won't walk in freedom and liberty. And we've got to embrace the truth of God's Word. Now, let me just be tough on me and you both. If we really believe this, we'd keep our nose in the book. We'd keep our hearts attuned to the Word of God. And... And in fact, Jesus in his prayer for us in John 17, 17, his prayer for us and prayer for the church prior to his betrayal, arrest, and then ultimate crucifixion, he prays this and he says to God, sanctify them by your truth. Sanctify means to set them apart in holiness and righteousness. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Hey, we hold the truth in our hands. You want to know the truth about all the, the issues of our day? Homosexuality? It's in here. Come on. Immorality? It's in here. Come on. It's the truth of God's word. And if we embrace the truth, a lot of people embrace the truth. They have their pet truths. Pet truths. Here's one. 
I'm just throwing this out. This is not my notes. Well, the Bible says, take a little wine for the stomach's sake. Hallelujah. But they might forget the ones about morality and marriage and tithing and all those things that we just, we want the truths, you know, uh, that, that, that are the bless me truths. But how about those that require a sacrifice in our life? Something to give up because we want to line up with the truth of God's word. Listen, if you don't line up with the truth of God's word, you are under the influence of deception in your life. If you look at issues and try to figure out a way for it not to really mean what it says, that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. You know, the Sadducees, they, with all their best effort, they were just sad, you see. Uh, but, hey, what their best efforts, they would twist the word to make it work for them. Someone said this once, I embrace it. We, uh, you know, someone said, let us examine the scriptures. You know, with some religious n- snootiness. No, we let the scriptures examine us. Because the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path and a light to my life. And so, hey, it's the truth of God's word. And what... By the way, let's, let's backtrack to Adam and Eve. What did the devil do with Adam and Eve? He caused them to doubt God's word. That doesn't really apply to us. In fact, he's holding out on us. And they partook. They believed the lie. The truth of God's word in our life. It keeps us from the enemy. Now, number three. The truth of God's Spirit. John 16, 13. Jesus in reference to the Holy Spirit coming to the earth. You know what he... In fact, the Holy Spirit has a number of different descriptive names. That would be a great study for you. Uh, how God and how the Word of God describes the Spirit of God in, uh, in, working in and through us. Here's what he... Pardon me. Here's what he said in John 16, 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth. Now, everybody say spirit and word. Come on, say it. Spirit and word. Now, let me just say to you, there are camps that arise in this whole issue. You ever been to... Whoop, you ever been a part of the word camp? I mean, man, it's, oh, it's the Bible. That's a great camp. The word camp. We've got to believe the word. We've got to obey the word. The word, the word, the word. That's powerful. The word is so important. But we also need the spirit of God moving in our life. And if you get the word and the spirit operating in your life, man, I'm telling you, you're going to be on track for not being deceived by the devil, by standing strong in God's word. He's the spirit of truth. I heard the ladies had a prayer meeting Tuesday night and Mastia was going to share. We, I, I missed that. I should have let you ladies talk about that a little bit. But what were they doing? They were stirring up the Spirit of God in their life. And the Spirit of God leads us into all truth. And if you're really following the leading of the Spirit, which by the way, will never contradict the written Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. I've heard people say things like this. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and they would say some of the stupidest things that absolutely don't line up with the Word of God. I would say, you're listening to a spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. And if it doesn't lead you into the Word of God and confirm, the Holy Spirit's leading in your life will always confirm the written Word. 
And the written word will always confirm what you believe is the Spirit's leading in your life. I've had people tell me the Lord spoke to me that I married the wrong person, that, that my soulmate is here and I miss the Lord and he told me to divorce my uh, spouse and go, <coughs> no, he didn't. Because that's contrary to the written word. All right? Now, I'm going to throw you one more that's not in your notes. I thought of this after note, note time and I'm going to throw it out. It's the truth of God's family. Now, the truth of God's family, it's not up there. But let me just say it this way and I'll move on. The family of God will keep us under protection from demonic and, and, and deceptive spirits. I just believe that. How many of you know there's power in numbers? In fact, gosh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body and it says the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of it. We need one another. And it's just, I just want you to embrace that. I know I'm speaking to the choir, but let me tell you something. The Spirit of God will never lead you away from the family of faith. The Word of God leads us to the family of faith and not away from the family of faith. The family of faith has a way of protecting us. And so uh, the family of faith has a way of guarding us. How many of you know there's, there's what would happen, everybody still with me? Y'all want to go home? Y'all still with me? Okay, I'll finish up quickly. Here we go. I'm just making sure you're with me. Some of you, maybe it's because I don't have my glasses. Oh, y'all look better. There you go. All right. Uh, hey, let me just say, what would happen if, if relation, uh, uh, um, uh, authority was removed from, from the earth? Chaos, right? Chaos. How many of you know the body of Christ and the government of God brings order and authority in our life? And it's protect protects our life. You, you, you remove yourself from authority and governance and relational. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, submit yourself to one another in the fear of God. Are you with me? In fact, Proverbs said this, Proverbs 18, 1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all sound judgment. In other words, when you pull back, you put yourself in a place of, 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 of vulnerability to the deceiver of the brethren. I see, I see it. Ooh, I've seen it all my pastoral life. People start hitting and missing. Where you been? Oh, pastor, we've just been busy. Oh, pastor, yo, man, you need to be in church. You need to be a part of the family. Man, we'll show up and then Easter comes along. That's in a couple of weeks. Oh, there they are. Oh, and where are they? You know, they're, ah, uh, man, you guys need to be here. Boy, we'd love to have you. Well, you know, it's, boy, the life, and they give you all that. And then you, and then before long, where have they been? And before long, the spirit of stupid got all over them. I'm just being honest. I've seen this. And they get divorced. Their kids go to hell in a handbasket. I'm just telling you. I know what I'm talking about here. The, 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 the covering and the protection there is in the family of faith. With that in mind, it's the truth of God's family. In fact, Proverbs 24 says, in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. Okay, let's apply it quickly because our time is running short. Applying the truth. Before we go to the next slide, go back. I'm sorry. I, I threw, threw you for a loop. Let's look at these, these three and then I'm going to add the fourth. Everybody look at it. The truth of God's son. That's who he is, what he did. The, the authority of Jesus in our life. The truth of God's word. Man, his word is true and righteous altogether. The truth of God's spirit. The spirit's leading in our life. 
And then number four, which is not only the truth of the family of faith and how that provides protection in our life. You want to build a, a hedge of protection around your life and your family. You embrace those four thoughts and you will find that through it all and the deceiver of the brethren and this, the, the, the self-deception kind of washes away. And the, the influence of, of unsaved humanity washes away and the influence of Satan is undermined because you're standing on the word of God. Somebody say amen. So, applying the truth. Here we go. Thank you, Ike. Three thoughts. If you want to appropriate these in your life, be doers of the truth. Everyone say doers. You can say obeyers, but Scripture says in John 3, 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. But he who does the truth, everybody say does the truth. James 1, 22, and really all the way through 25. But here's the, here's the key note verse. Be doers of the word, catch this, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, folk who come to church and hear it but don't do it, they're walking in deception in their life. Somehow they think it does not apply to them. Somehow they think they've got a grace card when really it's the deceiver of the, of the brethren. I've seen this at work in pastors' lives. Pastors uh, uh, who ought to know better. They isolate themselves. I can think of one in particular. I could call names, but that would be rude, crude, and socially unfittable. And hey, but for the grace of God, so go I. You know, pastoring multi-thousand member churches, and because the grace of God was on them so much, they somehow thought they had a grace card to commit adultery. Commit adultery on the weekend, get, and pre get up and preach on Sunday morning, and the anointing of God come upon them and people get saved. That is just bizarre to me. Somehow they think, oh, I don't, you, I'm just a, I'm not a doer. We've got to become doers of the truth. Not hearers only. Deceiving ourselves. Amen. The Bible says, love your wife. What do you do? You love your wife. The Bible says, obey authority. You obey authority. Amen. Because it's going to protect us. Number two, abide in the truth. Now, that word abide, it's in John 31, 32. I quoted it for you just a few moments ago. If you abide or continue, I think New King James says, uh, that word continue or abide means continue to stay, to dwell, to remain. In other words, the word of God, you must live in it and it must live in you. It's got to become not just a part of your life, but the core of your life. It's got to be from whence all things flow. What does the Bible say? The truth of God, the foundation of my life is the word of God. Amen. Everybody say doers of the truth. Everybody say you got to abide in the truth. And then number three, and, and this is a little odd um, scripture, but I want to show it to you. Stand in the truth. Now, let's go to dovetail to the end. So look in John chapter 8. Go back to John chapter 8. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Okay? Look in, look in verse... 13 and 14 of John 8. 
The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not what? It's not true. They're saying, You're not true. You're not the truth. And Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. <laughs> you see, you can't, knock, you can't knock Jesus off of who he is. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. And they basically said, You guys don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going on. Now, then, and so, uh, and then he goes through, if you continued my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then he gets down to these, uh, these Pharisees and look in verse 37. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm hesitating to read so much. Uh, okay, verse 40. But now, now you remember, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Man, he's getting right down into the middle of it with him. And then look down at verse 44. You are of your father the who? The devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now he's described, what, what's he describing? The devil and them because they were of their father, the devil. And he says, you don't stand in the truth. The truth is in you. Now, let me just say, that's got to be our posture. I'm standing in the truth. <coughs> Pardon me? Everybody say standing in the truth. Now, let me close out with this. Turn to Romans chapter 1 and let me make this statement to you. It's not in the, in the PowerPoint. But since Adam and Eve... There has been, there has been, there has erupted a global world war against the truth. Let me say it again. Since Adam and Eve, there has erupted a global world war against the truth. It's going on today. And when a, when a Christian stands up and shares the truth, when it comes to morality, they are defamed and undermined and ridiculed because they stand in the truth. And listen, we've got to be doers of the truth, we've got to abide in the truth, and we've got to take our stand realizing there's a global world war going on against the truth, and we've got to take our stand. Everybody say, you've got to take your stand. Now, Romans chapter 1, are you, are you there? I'm not. I'm going there. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now, you follow along, and then we'll be done. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There is a spirit of deception that is endeavoring to suppress the truth. And it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the... Oh, and if you want to fast forward to the end of days, the end of the end of days, you will see the wrath of God. When the age of grace... Listen, we're living in the age of grace. Everybody say hallelujah. When the age of grace comes to an end... And all this global upheaval begins to peak and religious persecution and 
all the problems of the tribulation and whether we're here or there, I'm not quite sure and I'm not going to get off into that. But let me just say this to you. There will be the wrath of God poured out on a world that has resisted and suppressed the truth. It's interesting to me that in the world we live in, we're supposed to, as Christians, uh, accommodate other belief systems, but the other belief systems don't want to accommodate us. You stand up for what you believe, you get lambasted and ridiculed and tried uh, to, uh, to they, they'll crucify you for standing up for the truth. So we've got to stand for the truth. Now, let's read on. He says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and the Godhead, so that they're without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their hearts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible uh, man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, also God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their flesh, to dishonor their own bodies among themselves, who, it, now catch this, here's the end of this thought, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Everybody say, truth of God for a lie. Not just a lie, the lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So there's a global war on truth. And so we've got to be doers of the truth, abide in the truth. And in the last days that we live in, the first thing Jesus said, the top priority, when they ask these three questions, when and what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He said, well, the first thing you need to know is you better be on guard. You better take heed that no one deceive you. Amen. The deception protection, the truth of God's Son, the truth of God's Word, the truth of God's Spirit, the truth of God's family. How do we appropriate those in our life? Be doers of the Word, abide in the Word, and take our stand in the Word. And all God's people said, Amen. God's deception protection plan for the church. And we can stand strong in the face of opposition, in this war on truth. Even from, did you know they're trying to change our history? Oh, oh, we're not a godly nation anymore. We're not a, we're not a Judeo-Christian heritage. There's no such thing. That's not the truth. Amen. Let's stand up together. If you have your Bible, I want you to hold it in your hands and hold it to your hearts. And if your Bible's on your phone, you put it in your pocket, I guess. I don't know what you do with it. I think it's important to have the written word it, there's, I'm not being facetious. I, I just think, uh, what if your phone dies? You need a written word, amen? Don't throw away your Bible for the sake of the app. I'm, I use it every once in a while. But hey, Lord, we hold your word near and dear in our life. Let the truth of God arise in us. And Lord, let us appropriate the truth. And Father, we thank you for all the 
powerful influence we have to help us take our stand in the truth and abide in the truth and be doers of the truth. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.